Welcome to a new episode of Outside the Panels with your host, Johnny the Machine Hughes. Welcome everyone to another episode of Outside the Panels. Joining me for this very special episode is my co-host and all-timer colleague, it's the Professor. Professor, how's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you, Johnny? I am fantastic. We have got a bit of a surprise for everyone. Um, crossing both new books and older books, I guess, for um, the fans of the old-timer comic book show, we have writer artist extraordinaire jim starlin and of course jamie jameson inca of the new dread star returns book guys so pleased to see you and meet you how are you doing we're doing fine and very pleased to be here with you excellent what he said, um, <laughs> what he said. all right okay um so before we go getting the dread star let's just have a little bit of a rundown jim starlin comic book legend Famous for Thanos, Drax, Gamora, Shang-Chi. I didn't know that oh, one. That was a... <laughs> also, he likes to wield an axe, the, the end doer of Captain Marvel, and he killed Jason Todd. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big resume. A uh, bloody one, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> did when you were writing the books at the time did you think they'd go on to be as iconic as they are because i mean everybody knows thanos now especially from the the avengers movies no i i had no I mean, I, no inkling that this would ever get us to where it is uh when i started uh working on thanos uh in the movies uh flying saucers were on wires uh shimmying across <laughs> the screen um i always thought he was just too weird and uh dark and esoteric to to make it onto the screen i figured it was it was all going to be captain america's and uh you know spider-man's and more acceptable things and who would have known that uh uh me venting my spleen for the last few years would have turned into a big uh, money maker for a, a cinema <laughs> yeah yeah, cool. yeah awesome. cool excellent Professor, well, th uh, thank you guys for being here. I'm just I'm I'm happy to be here too. Uh, I'm just a big uh, big fan of uh, Jim from uh, from way back in, uh, you know the uh, the Avengers annual that you did with the Thanos War was uh, was a big issue for me. <laughs> um, Everybody loves Thanos. <laughs> but I'm I'm really interested in in uh, in listening to what you have to say about the new Dreadstar book coming out. Um, uh, a big fan of Dreadstar too. I kind of looked at it almost as a continuation of your cosmic stuff that you were doing with Warlock and Captain Marvel and staying in space. So I'm really kind of excited to find out what's next. Uh, more Dreadstar. I mean, we are <laughs> continuing on with it. Uh, Dreadstar Returns was our pandemic book mm -hmm. in so many ways. I mean, we started off before uh, the outbreak um, I don't know how many pages I had. Uh, Jamie was in about 20 some odd pages of inking it. And uh, it broke out. We were in Mexico City at a comic book convention. Yeah. <laughs> um, I flew back to New York and you flew back to L.A. And when she got back to L.A., she contracted uh, 
a very serious case of uh, COVID-19. Oh my goodness. And uh, at points we thought we were going to lose her. She, she got hit heavier than most. Yeah, when your family wow. is talking about what do you think she wants when she dies? <laughs> oh, know, Jesus. Like, I'll be dead. I don't really think yeah. I'll be thinking much about what I want when I'm dead. Which, which, song, which song should be playing? Yeah, that's the kind of conversation. Unfortunately, uh, I, I like to take credit saying that it was my pestering her to finish the inking that got her through this. <laughs> really? Uh, I, th I think I think COVID was an excuse to get out of the ink and never mind complete it. <laughs> Dude, I'm on the, I'm the pick of my funeral song. I can't ink your book. <laughs> Hold on, I've got to go throw up for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's more close to the reality. Than what we were doing. But wow. she survived it and finished off the book, and uh, we're working on the, another one now. Uh, I'm 60 some odd pages and uh, she's coming close to 20 some odd pages. Um, I'm, I won't show him where I'm at. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I think in the past I've interviewed um, writers, artists, um, letterers, um, Incan. I think I've interviewed a couple of Incas and I always, I always crack the joke from the Chase and Amy movie. Yeah, have you seen the movie? Incan, that's just Tracing, right? Oh, Chasing Amy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's not Tracing. <laughs> so, tracing, anybody could do it. <laughs> so go on, explain to uh, the people who actually think that uh, inking is just Tracing. Jamie, an inker's job? You're what's a fixer and an embellisher. I mean, right. you have to work what's on that page, but you have to make it look as good as you can and if there's things that need to be changed like breast size <laughs> what 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 what's this she seems to think she's a, a, a bigger uh, expert on breasts than i am i don't know well i think i think you probably got to hand it to her on that one like i've got to say yeah. i think I there's mean, a personal when experience you see, when you see her cup size changing from a b to a d you kind of want to do something <laughs> I didn't realize you were doing a Power Girl book. So I'm going to start crediting her as the uh, Brazar in the book. <laughs> nice. But seriously, though, she does add quite a bit to the, the look of the book. I mean, uh, my faces, especially female faces, sometimes are a little off center, and she straightens them out. Uh, she gives a line quality that the pencil doesn't give, and uh, you know, and she's also a good collaborator and just talking things out at times. Uh, there are points where <laughs> uh, there are points where we were working on the thing, and I said, "Well, I got to do a, a strange monster on the next panel. What do you think I ought to do?" And she, she gave me a list of uh, like six different things. Combine these six things and make it into something cool. <laughs> then he has to go and he has to to one-up me and put a floating eyeball in the center. I was like, really? You have to on the top. <laughs> I'm a yeah. <laughs> It's been working out quite well with uh, between the two of us here on uh, collaborating on this stuff. And so uh, we decided to continue it. And actually, she's uh, quite responsible for me coming back and working in comics. Cool. Uh, about Excellent. four years ago, I had a, a serious accident with a compressed air explosion and uh, blew a huge hole in my uh, drawing hand. And, wow. Uh, uh, after about three years of squeezing balls and doing this exercise, 
she started bugging me for a uh, a sketch of Doctor Doom. She didn't want Thanos. She wanted Doctor Doom. Uh, and I tried avoiding her, but she's pretty persistent. And uh, I finally sat down and did the drawing and realized my hand wasn't cramping up like it had been for the previous three years and started doing some more drawing, mostly convention sketches, which she mm -hmm. inked. And so when it came time to me finally take on a book, uh, I asked her to come on board with me. Did you ever think that you would never draw again? I was pretty sure I wasn't. Uh, I was going to be a writer. Uh, I literally, if I put a pencil in my hand and tried drawing, I'd, I'd last about five minutes and the hand would completely cramp up and I'd have to uh, go stick it in a bucket of ice just to get the pain, get rid of the pain. And so that after uh, closely about, about three years. Wow. So this brings up like a nice little interesting question. Which do you prefer to do? Because you are, you're, you're a writer stroke artist. In fact, you could argue you could argue you were probably Marvel's first leading the, the challenge for like people like John Byrne, Frank Miller, uh, to get involved in that sort of duality. So Strangle you... beat me out on it. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and, and I said corrected. Well, I said corrected. Marvel, but Kirby and Ditko both went off and did their own writing after they left Marvel. Yeah, cool. So, Excellent. You know, I'm, you know, I've, I've had some first, but that wasn't one of them. <laughs> I, I, I suppose... Uh, yeah, maybe I misspoke. What I, I, I suppose credited is probably the best way I would go with that because we, we all know the history regarding Dick Cohen and Kirby as being credited as artists and not for their plot um, involvement. Uh, whereas for, when I look back over comic book history, yours is one of the first names I recognize as being the, both the, the writer and the artist. So no disrespect was in, intended. It was a compliment. Yeah, well, I tried to hide that, uh, especially in the Warlock credits. There was JM, Mitty Rats, and a few other people. But yeah, that, that was just nonsense. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, with uh, Kirby and Ditko, they were creative forces. But it took uh, Stan to make those characters likable. If you look yeah. back at uh, the, especially with Kirby, because Kirby wrote panel border notes throughout mm -hmm. and uh if you go back and compare it up to what stan wrote he humanized the characters more than than jack could so. yeah i think that's a really fair point the, the fact that you know that it does take two to tango at sometimes <laughs> unless you're like really talented like uh like a jim Starlin or a john Byrne who can do both <laughs> um, so what made you want to come back to Dreadstar? Because uh, it's been a while. Let's let's give people a potted history of Dreadstar. How did it, how did it start? Well, it started in uh, Epic Illustrated in a book called a series called The Metamorphosis Odyssey, and uh, paintings. They were paintings actually. Uh, started off uh, black and white paintings on gray board, and I pulled the blacks and the and the whites out on it, and went off to color. And uh, Dressar wasn't the main character in that. That was Ankadon, who uh, started off the series, and uh, Banth didn't show up until about the fifth installment. And he just sort of took over the book eventually. And uh, so I stayed on that. Uh, I took the storyline off to uh, Ellipse, Eclipse rather, uh, publishing, and did a book called The Price, uh, which... Dreadstar only appeared briefly at the end of it. It was a mm -hmm. Syzygy Darklock story. And uh, that's we, why I always think of Vincent Price. 
We had this discussion the other day. We're backtracking. Um, what we're thinking, I, and then you know there was there were some other publications that it went to, and uh, now we're over at Ominous. And uh, what brought me back to drawing new adventures is was that we were collecting all the previous adventures from mm -hmm. 20 years before. And most of them had no digital files, so it was a matter of me scanning the, the actual pages and then touching them up. And I was using a stylist uh, as I was going along there on the board, which is a lot different than trying to draw because you tense up more with your trying to draw on that. Mm -hmm. So I think working on those 1,500 pages with the stylist strengthened my hand enough where when certain people started bugging me about Dr. June, <laughs> uh, I had uh, the hand uh, strengthened up enough where I can handle it and didn't cool. realize it. And so uh, going directly from the Dreadstar Omnibus to Dreadstar Returns seemed like a natural fit. Uh, I didn't want to go back to either of the major companies. Uh, mm -hmm. And now with Ominous and Kickstarter, we were able to uh, get this and do the book to exactly the way I wanted to right off from the start. Cool. Excellent. I gotta say this page always makes me sad because that creature is so cute. I was like, yeah. you have to make it so cute. Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> is an animal um, activist lover and uh, basically uh, the anytime I use or anytime we're watching a movie and there's an animal that comes to a bad end, I hear a lot of wailing. Yeah, um, just just as a spoiler, don't watch Marley and Me. <laughs> yes, don't go to the next page. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going I'm to stop. I'll stop right there. <laughs> but I yeah no, I was going to have a I had a brain fart. I had a question, but then it just went away. So I, oh. if I if I if I come if I come across I it, I'll splurt it out. Professor. Uh, no, I'm not. It's a nickname that I got from uh, from the other guys because uh, I always know knew more about comics than they did. So. <laughs> not not true. I think uh, I think our record in uh, uh, comics Jeopardy proves who the real professor is. Just, just it's true. on the comics Jeopardy. Also, <laughs> we we have a we <laughs> we have oh, a, we have a there we go. We have a we have a TV well, we have a TV show we have a podcast and um, it's called the Definitive Crusade. It's all about DC Comics, and every now and again, when we get like that fifth week in the schedule where the comics are absolutely, I don't want to say terrible, but they're not that good, we decide that we'll have a game of Jeopardy, like the TV show, and we just batter each other with inane. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a. Bit of a, what's what's the word? Champion at it. That's right. That's me. Okay. <laughs> I've <laughs> friends like that too. That are just yeah. like I mean, nothing gets by them. And you're like <laughs> the, who, the only person that beat that really really beat me was um, oh what's his name? Nolan, the artist. Nolan works with Chuck Dixon. Kevin Nolan. Uh, Graham, no, Graham Nolan. Graham, 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 Graham Nolan. Graham Nolan. Graham Nolan. He was absolutely, he was on fire. He was like, boom, boom. I was like, how did you? Admittedly, one of the topics was all about him. So you know, <laughs> I guess I got, I got lucky on that one. <laughs> um, so Dreadstar Returns, why did you, why, Jim, 
and Jamie, you've both you've both industry, you've both worked in comics, you've both got a huge resume. Why was there a need, do you feel, to go to Kickstarter to kind of get this going? Because surely with with your name recognition, you could just knock on the door and go, hey image, I've got a book, and boom, there it is. Um, it's a matter of uh, control also. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of the other companies that I've uh, worked with, uh, they, they may let me have the copyright still, but uh, they tend to uh, do what they want to do. And uh, I've had some things really fouled up by even uh -huh. minor companies that uh, worked with. But uh, Ominous and their Kickstarter project, uh, if you look at the book itself, their, their production values are so high. Mm. Ron Mars and uh, this guy named Phil Smith who works with them, uh, they just do such a marvelous job at putting these things together that uh, there wasn't there was uh, there wasn't any other place I could think of that I would go, have gone to. And there's old uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. That has a resemblance. Yeah. He has a striking resemblance <laughs> to somebody. Yeah, we won't mention who. <laughs> so maybe this uh, this gives me a question because I um. I, in, in most of your work that I've seen you in the, in, in the cosmic space opera theme, you've always introduced certain elements of politics, uh, religion, you know, church and state. Um, and does that, what drives you to do that? Is it, is it because it's cosmic, you can pretty much do what you want and you can kind of overlay your themes and kind of get your thoughts out there? Um, but I, I mean, the, the satire on this is obviously, you know, I guess he who shall not be Very named as yes. on the bike. <laughs> uh, no, I just think that uh, you need multi levels on any kind of story. If you just go along with on one level and just tell out the story, it's boring. Mm -hmm. So uh, I like taking divergent trips. I mean, this whole thing with the uh, king at the beginning of uh, Dreadstar Returns is not the main story. It's it's a sidebar. It's like going. I, like I've been saying, it's like watching an episode of The Simpsons. They usually start off with Bart in some kind of strange situation. And then about five minutes in, you get to the main story, which is about Homer uh, losing his job or setting fire to the plant. You know, and basically that's what happens in Dress Star Returns. We have this little vignette at the beginning with uh, the king and his minions. And then we go into the real story, which is uh, about an unrequited cosmic love. Hmm. Sounds uh, unrequited. Un un you get a couple of different stories, and you get to be able to put in those little textural things that I find always found the most interesting in any story I read, comic or not. So, let me ask a quick question then, because you mentioned the two words, unrequited, cos well, three words, cosmic love. Do that kind of is this kind of like um, an alternative, I suppose, take on the whole Thanos and death? type of unrequited love or is this a little bit more um, um real in some way there are some similarities now that you bring it up i had i hadn't actually thought about that before um this the object of this obsession or this love is nowhere near as sinister as mistress death um, <laughs> basically Good. when i started off working up the story i wanted to uh go back and show everybody what the characters have been doing for the last 20 years. Uh, 
it's like the, uh, Dress Star, rather, has always been yeah. a uh, anarchist without a second act. He's very good at breaking things, but not good at running things or uh, doing anything constructive afterwards. Uh -huh. So basically, we find that he has found a constructive use for his destructive urges. Uh, and uh, Eddie has found his place in law enforcement, and Willow is basically running everything still from what she did at the end of uh, her run on Dreadstar before. So, cool. uh, you know, we find that the, the different characters uh, were doing these things, and as I was going through there, I looked back at a minor character from the series before, and Quite frankly, I felt like I had shortchanged this character. I started thinking mm -hmm. about it, and uh, this story. I don't want to say anything more than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Who he is, <clears throat> yeah. Go buy the book. Go buy the book. That's what we say. Go buy yeah, the book. Go buy the book. <laughs> and you'll see that, that he does come back, and he is given more uh, screen time than he had before. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. And, and, and more story. More story. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested because I'm really um, the creative the creative thought process. Jamie, I've got to ask you. You kind of so you get you get the work, you, you get the script, you get the panels, you come in. Is there a point where you look at it and you think, "What's he doing? Why?" And then you're uh, on the phone going, "Why are you doing this?" And oh, there, like, there was there was times <laughs> where I was like, "Oh my god, how am I gonna do?" This? <laughs> there's certain pages where I was just like oh my god oh my god I'm just getting the first couple pages and being like I was at um Neil Adams uh, comic book store I go work over there and uh Neil's like just put down a line just put down a line because he could just see in my face I was like yeah. having this little breakdown for a moment and his son Joel's one of my best friends he's like you can do it he's like you've been inking just just but just put on line. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Cool. And there were days where, you know, especially after having COVID, where I was just like, I can't do it. But yeah. obviously, I did it. So cool. <laughs> we had Excellent. moments of wailing and tears, but uh, they passed, and she hung in there. Uh, sometimes I, I thought, what is she going to think of this page? Because I was doing the coloring also. Okay. And a lot of times, uh, you'd have a page that was just one little figure off in the mm -hmm. corner, and the rest of it was going to be. Uh, done in oh, there was very few of those. <laughs> <laughs> it was very exciting when I came across that, especially after having like an army of little Martian men. Little green androids. See, when, when you... uh, yeah, there were enough of them. But as the story went on, there got to be more Photoshop, and I, I would wonder what she thought I was going to do with the rest of the page. Nah, I can't think. She never liked it, you know. But I've. Red <laughs> <laughs> They're like the dominions of uh, Despicable Me. <laughs> you said there was quiet crying and wailing. Uh, Jim, I th I'm imagining that's from you more than from Jamie, to be fair. Oh, I, I usually do it after the job. As Jamie said, uh, a test, we were looking through the books uh, the other day, and oh, you know, after a thing comes out, and I think this is true for every artist, and you look at it, all she can see is the things she did wrong. You know, I absolutely totally get that. I, yeah. I, I, I'm a doodler. I, I so when I, I think I'll doodle. So there you go. I was on a pod not so long ago, and whilst I was walking, we were talking about Phoenix and X Men. So I kind of doodled a really bad. I'm terrible at this, by the way. Don't critique it. It's terrible. Also, looks um, like you're a bit into bondage. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not. I'm not. Wait, I can that's neither, not true. I can, I, can, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Uh, <laughs> but it's like the same, like this John Byrne. <clears throat> so I look at the picture when I did it. I thought, yeah, it's great. And then now I look back at it, I think, well, hold on a second. That leg's wrong. That knee's wrong. Uh, so I get it. And that's across. I mean, that's from like superstar creator like yourself and, and Jamie, all the way down to me and my apparently bondage phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> I should have put fishnets on it. That would have sorted it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, the moment you actually put the, the work down on the, pa on the page, you think it's the best you could do. And then, you know, months later, you see it in print. There you and go. I turn around to Jamie and go, why didn't no, you fix that? No, no bondage. Oh, no bondage yes. yeah. <laughs> hey, at least you can tell who it is. Hey, that's a win in my book. An arm. And, yeah, I couldn't work out where I was putting that arm. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, there you go. This is a handicapped Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been he's been caught by the Green Goblin. He's lost a leg. You know, like he's you got see his spiders. Own parking space on top of the uh, yeah. bugle yeah. reserved for him. Yes. <laughs> it's like a seven-legged spider that got half eaten by a cat. There you go. Cool. Excellent. Oh, I can't say that. Jamie will go nuts. Animal cruelty. Oh Sorry. no, no. I, I love spiders, but I can imagine my cat doing that. Yeah, Definitely. Cool. Excellent. All right. We're going to take a quick break before we regroup. We'll talk more Dreadstar. We're going to talk more all the comics for you all-time comic book show fans. And I think whilst we're talking old, old-school, old-timers comic book show, it seems, bud, sorry, sorry to do it to you, dude. Here's an ad for the old-timers comic book show. Oh, no. find out what makes the professor do his happy dance check out the all-timers comic book show only on the ucpn uh, <laughs> oh bless that's yeah. embarrassing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so we, we watched it without sound uh, oh, he's, oh. Just <laughs> he's just doing a dance <laughs> um you'll hear the theme tune later we'll play the tune out um so the old times comic book show is our ucpn show geared as the title says to all the old time comic books and jim your name has been cropping up with startling startling frequency okay. that's true and we've we talked of answering whatever questions come up here <laughs> well no just we don't we'll shoot the breeze before i get back to dread ass so um we've done death of captain marvel we've we've looked at the thanos quest the two-parter um we looked at the death of jason todd <laughs> i have a quick question about the death of jason todd if i may ask you so kindly sir um it was a phone it was a phone gimmick readers get to decide does jason live does jason die my question was which way did you vote and secondly did you write in the issue in which he lived and if so how did the rest of the story go uh it was well <laughs> two pages at the end whether he lived or died all right um that two pages involved uh you know, I, I, they, they actually used them later on, the Jim Apero pages in the Red Hood's origin yeah. in their book. And uh, I did write a script uh, that went either way, and Jim did draw the alternative, and they used it later on. But uh, uh, I didn't get a chance to vote because I was down in Mexico at the time traveling around. Okay, and cool. uh, the, 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 there's no way to call in uh, at yeah. that time. 
Okay. Uh, I could do it very easily on a cell phone now, but yeah, then yeah. it would have taken me a couple hours just to get in to spend well, 50 cents. Did, <laughs> we did didn't get a vote. We, we did get a vote in the UK, so. Did you know yeah, the, fan, so the fans I, I were going to? I had no gonna... idea how it had panned out until I got back into the States, and uh, I was very surprised to find out it was as close as it was because, quite frankly, I know my the fan base, and you're a bunch of ghouls. I thought for <laughs> sure you were overwhelmingly going to kill him off. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, 72 votes uh, difference between life and death uh, out of 10,000. That's statistically even. Mm. Uh, but uh, there was just enough to push it over the edge. And um, he, um, he he bellied up. And then the <laughs> licensing department at D.C. realized they had all these pajamas and lunch boxes with Robin in it. And yeah. I went from within a couple of months having the most successful book they had up there to having all my work at DC dry up. No way. Oh yeah, no. That Just was for following for doing their best book of the year. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. For me, I went over to Marvel and then did the Infinity Gauntlet. So it worked out. Oh yeah. They had that that showed. I just have one more quick question before I let Bud speak. Sorry, Bud. Jim Aparo <laughs> is one of Jim Aparo is one of my favorite artists. It is Jim Aparo's Batman is my Batman. That's why. That's what I grew up on. What was it like working with Jim? I uh, couldn't tell you because we never met until years after we had worked together. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I turned in my pages, my scripts to uh, Denny O'Neill, who sent them to him. Jim didn't do many conventions, so I, we never met. Uh, but when I was writing the script for the death of, that, of, of Robin, I, the, the panel where Batman is carrying Robin's dead body off, I wrote uh -huh. in the script, Jim, this is going to be uh, the, the, the illustration that you are going to be remembered by. Mm. And he didn't buy it at all until years later we did meet at a convention. And he, he, the first thing he said was, do you remember doing this? You are absolutely right. I've had assigned so many of those pages. Um, let's just have a quick look because I have uh, just a, a quick little um, version of that. See if I can share that screen for you or one that's very similar. Uh, there you go. This is the one I always remember when I think of. There you go. Oh, that, that one there and also the one where he's walking off. With yeah, with the, the, with the, the flames behind us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Excellent. Thank you very much. Awesome. Pro professor? <laughs> So I came across my, in my in my research the last couple of days um, a story. I'm going to tell you, I'm a gigantic Mark Gruenwald fan. And um, I came across a story about, and you just mentioned Infinity Gauntlet, that he didn't like Infinity Gauntlet so much that they had to hide it from him that you were doing sequels. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Only on uh, Infinity's Crusade. Um, he was upset that I was writing more of them than anybody else, and it was mostly the fact that I just turned in a plot and they liked it, and then they were selling. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, from what I understand, Tom DeFalco sort of hid from Mark uh, <laughs> that we were doing the crusade until it was the last moment. Uh, I like Mark. I just, you know, he, I, I guess he just had he wanted the work to be distributed around more evenly. I just thought that was a, f a funny story. 
<laughs> you know, I, I've read so much about Mark, and uh, and that was a story I'd never heard before until uh, yeah, until I came across it, uh, you know, yesterday. And I was just like, oh man, maybe I got to ask Jim about that. <laughs> I loved the Falco. I'm picturing him hiding something because somebody's just hysterical. <laughs> we, I was going to say. We've interviewed uh, Tom DeFalco a couple of times. But yeah. He, Actually, they were the two of the last people I saw before I came back from Mexico City and almost died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh wow. <laughs> so, Jamie, who's your, um, I guess, who who are your, your creative kind of uh, inspirations? You know, because, I mean, um, well, Jim's, don't take this the wrong way. Jim, you've been around for donkey's years. Jim is up there, but I'm, uh, I love Kirby. Um, uh -huh. I love Steranko, Ditko, Neil Adams, of course. I, uh -huh. You know, he's family to me, um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, there's I, I tend to lean towards the old school, but there's so many modern uh, artists like Scott Hanna and Norm yeah. Ratman. I mean, there's, there's just so much talent out there. But mm. um, definitely more towards the old school artists that, you know, I've read really old comics when I was young, because that's what I'd get my hands on. Like my older cousins, you know, had short boxes or, you know, just comics hidden in their closets or whatever. And they were all grown up and out of my great aunt's house. So I came across them and I was in love with Spider-Man. I was going to grow up and marry Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, wrong color hair for that one, I'm afraid. So was... Oh, well, Spidey <laughs> also living in New York for years. Um, every time I saw Spider-Man, he wasn't the one. <laughs> Times were quite a few of them that usually got a gut and they couldn't sling any webs. And... So seeing Spider-Man in New York is kind of like seeing Santa Claus in December, right? Exactly. Far too many and none of them really enough. <laughs> Fair shout. too. Oh, yeah. No, my favorite was when oh, I saw really? one stripped down naked. I was like, Spider-Man would never do that. Just a mask? No. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute, I think I've drawn that somewhere in this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Jim, can we ask you, uh, can, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Shang-Chi as he's going to be kind of like, uh, you know, debuting in the MCU this year. Um, can you tell us a story about how you and Steve kind of dreamed him up one night? Well, it wasn't over one night. It was over a period of time. Uh, we were fans of the TV show Kung Fu with David Carradine. Um, we'd uh, quite literally get together on, I think it was Wednesday night, and we'd watch his show with about five or six other people. And uh, we went to DC Comics, who was part of Warner Brothers, who had part of the, were, I guess, the producers of the show, and uh, asked them, would you guys like to, us to do this comic? And uh, DC said, no, no, this Kung Fu craze is gonna evaporate really quick and we're, we're, uh, we got a better plan, something to be more commercial. So they went off and did a pirate book instead. Another uh, Batman book. Basically, uh, we then went over to Marvel and said, uh, we'd like to do some kind of Kung Fu book. And Roy Thomas, who's the editor, uh, said, you know, start putting it together and then Stan got involved a little bit near the end. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought Stan was the one who grafted Fu Manchu on it, but I've, I've since learned from Roy that Roy was the one who bought the rights to Fu Manchu. Uh, it seems like none of us had read the books before. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea what we were putting in there. And yeah. so after, uh, 
after I got done with the first issue, uh, Larry Hama pressed the Fu Manchu book onto me, and I read it and realized what that it had a, uh, a little bit of white power uh, connotations to it that I didn't feel mm -hmm. comfortable with. In other words, it was pre pretty racist. Yeah. And uh, so I, I skipped out on it after the third issue. But Inglehart and Paul Glacey went on and did a really nice job with it, even though Fu Manchu was attached. Didn't, uh, wasn't Doug Munch working on that book as well at one point? I, I didn't hear that either. Sorry, was Doug Munch working on, on Shang-Chi at uh, some Doug point? Doug Munch came along after Inglehart left the book. Okay, uh, he, cool. he did some of the very later issues, as, as I recall. Cool, yeah. excellent. Sorry, my accent. What can I say? No, it's just the sound <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, 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 my mutant ability is that I pronounce names wrong. The fact I got Jim Stalin and Jamie Jameson right was an absolute miracle. So, <laughs> well, I've had uh, had uh, incidences with uh, accents before that were really ridiculous. I was in Scotland in Edinburgh at a convention. Good luck. Sound quality was just terrible on the stage that I was at, and they were having a trivia question. Oh what no! Were the accents and the reverb. I couldn't understand anything anyone was saying to me. And they were sitting right next to me. And they finally got a question that they thought for sure I could answer what was who died in the, the book Captain Marvel. And I just stared at him blankly. And they went, Captain Marvel. I once dated a mad Scottish woman. She was mad and she was Scottish. And that is all I am ever going to say about it. But there you go. Come um, other questions. Um, we have a we have a colleague of ours that works on the Old Timers comic book show, and he is a huge, huge uh, cosmic Marvel fan. Um, he has questions uh, like: Were you ever tempted to have Death speak directly to Thanos instead of Thanos trying to work out what Death wanted? Uh, I think in the later. Um... In some of the graphic novels, though I don't have her dialogue coming out in balloons, she does mm. address Thanos directly. Cool. Excellent. Uh, and we hear his response to it more than anything else. But cool. uh, no, they 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 embrace at one point in one of the stories. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I indicate that it was a pretty hot relationship at one point. Uh, I sort of ended it with the end of the series with him. Uh, actually betraying her out and out and trying to absorb her into his being. So uh, I think I sort of ended that relationship tragically, but, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. yeah, but uh, there was direct communication. Good. Um, one more question before we get back to Dreadstar, if that's all right, Bud, unless you've got one. Um, nope, go ahead. Right. So we all know the impact that the Dark Knight Returns had on comic books in DC in general. How much of an impact that that book and that genre, that kind of terse storytelling, how much of an impact did that have when it came to like writing the cult with uh, Deacon Blackfire who managed to uh, break the bat, at least psychologically uh, rather than physically? It, you know, I loved uh, what uh, Frank Miller had done with uh, Batman. Uh, there was a spell directly afterwards that another writer came in and uh, wrote it for a while and uh, sort of took it back away from that dark uh, Batman. Mm -hmm. And the sales on the book plummeted at that point. 
so when Denny uh, O'Neill asked me to come in and uh, write some issues, it was it started off to be filling issues. Uh, he suggested I go back to the darker Frank Miller type of thing uh, story. And I was more than happy to, because that's what I was more comfortable with. Uh, I was always trying to avoid Robin in the stories because I thought that going off and fighting crime in a black and gray outfit while you send off a teenager in primary colors uh, sort of went beyond child abuse to out and out child endangerment. And that <laughs> hey, it's got them, of course, right? Just from that. Uh, <laughs> So the, the Miller ones were a major influence. Uh, we were, uh, the scene where Batman is looking at the former dead Robin's uh, mm -hmm. costume inside the Batcave uh, directly affected my deciding to, well, I mean, I, I didn't like Robin to begin with and nobody liked Jason Todd or whatever his name was. <laughs> it was so, Jason Todd. Uh, that it? was a direct line from that book to uh, the death in the family. Cool. Excellent. Very good. All right. So, Dreadstar, let's get your book back up. Let's have a look through this. Where is it? I have it just here. Boom. There you go. Excellent. All right. So, oh, look, there's a guy with the, there's the eyes again. Crazy. Um, which bit of the creative process and which bit of the story are you most pleased with? And this is to both of you. So, Jamie, we'll, we'll start with you first on this one because you get to... <laughs> um, well, there's a couple of pages, I would say. Um, as far as what I'm most proud, I guess it's going to be the political page. Okay. Um, just because I really felt strongly about this <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. we've shown that page yet or not. That was um, big I don't really want to show too many yes. pages because I want people to buy the book but yeah, um, well that was uh, a we, big like a big political statement but um I also enjoy and this is funny I, it's more of a funny story there's a page it's a double page spread and I was like I'm gonna keep this page Jim I'm gonna keep this one and hang it on my wall and he was like, why would you want to do that? It's a bunch of dead people. I, was, I didn't realize they were dead. So <laughs> I was like, in a surreal oh, because I kind of been bouncing around a little bit. I was like, oh my God. So we kind of have an affinity to that page just because it, it was, I looked so dumb. It was a very blonde moment. <laughs> um, and there's another big double page spread where there's a really pretty centerpiece of Willow. And I really like that page too. Cool. Excellent. For and me, Jim, uh, I think my favorite art page is uh, comes shortly right a after the one uh, Jamie's talking about, and it's the characters, uh, Dreadstar, uh, Dreadstar, Eddie, Willow, and Tutan, emerging from this surrealistic background uh, into uh, the city uh, that has in another dimension. Uh, and I just had so much fun working out the, the Photoshop techniques of working the background blending smoothly from one into the other. That uh, That's my favorite. Um, I'd say the uh, like pages 80 to 90 are probably my favorite for writing because that's the resolution of the main story. And uh, I just quite taken by what happened there you know i mean cool. it, it, it was emotionally effective for me effective perfect to me you know perfect.
<laughs> so excellent good shout bud yeah i mean i i guess uh, the the one question that i would have is like how, how emotionally involved do you get in your work and um is it a lot of it is uh just trying to tell the story or like you just said you get um you know pages 80 to 90 made you feel like feel a certain way do you feel a certain way revisiting these characters after so many years yeah it's like hanging with old friends that you haven't seen for quite a while uh, i have no trouble distinguishing my fictional characters from my real people that i know uh not like some uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically uh, it was, it depends on what the story is. A lot of the things I, I work on have come out of my real life and certain things like uh, the beginning of the Breed series is very, uh, has some autobiographical uh, elements to it and that. Uh, everything is, everything you come into a story is things that have come into your life in some way or another and I guess it's the emotional resonance of them coming in that gives them an importance when you're starting to put them out on the paper. And a lot of times it's, it's more internal than anything they'll ever make it actually to the reader. So uh, it's a multi-level relationship that's uh, too complex for me to uh, explain in a half hour uh, interview. Emotionally <laughs> for me, yeah. The vomit page is emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, there what... is, a, is a vomit page in Dreadstar, and she was experiencing a lot of nausea at the time that she reached that particular page. Yeah, there was some. Um, <laughs> so, I remember sitting there with a lap board trying to do this in bed with a lap board. I was like, must keep going. It was one of the good days. And I was like, I, I, was, I think I might have been on the phone with our, our art agent, uh, Spencer, our friend Spencer, was checking me. I was like, uh, I, I'm doing this page. I, hold on, i got to put you on mute. And I'm just like throwing oh, up profusely no. into this garbage can <laughs> by my bed. And I'm like, you know what's not fun? Inking puke while you're doing it, but it's good reference. <laughs> <laughs> and i got to say, this puke on this page has really got some body to it. <laughs> Very lifelike. <laughs> <laughs> art imitating life or life imitating art one of the two right <laughs> excellent cool um so i'm kind of flicking through who's your favorite character in the book jamie is it willow still oh it's eddie eddie eddie's your favorite eddie's my favorite why for he's just so cute a little cat person <laughs> oh, cats of course animal person <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mike, Mike. usually my favorite, but in this particular book, it was Tutan. Tutan was every time he came on, it, it was a relief. He's the comic relief, of course, mm -hmm. and it was a rather grim story. And having him come in gave me a break. Mm -hmm. I could, I was going into a whole different track whenever he showed up. So uh, I enjoyed him the most in the book. So for those that are wondering who we're talking about, there you go. There's a there's a, a cast of characters. You've got De Dreadstar at the top, got Willow. Um, there's Tutone at the bottom. Yeah, Tutone. Yeah, and Eddie there, the cat person. There you go. Cool. And Willow has a nice new look. 
Yes, we had uh, this is Willow's new look was very much a collaboration uh, between uh, Jamie and I. Uh, she would send me uh, JPEGs of hairstyles and warm up outfits and boots. Oh, I was like, no, no, no. She's, she's, <laughs> this hair boots. is just not going to work now. She's not sexy anymore. This is a long time ago. Let's let's. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, we're good. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. So we just powered it out and came up with a brand new willow. <laughs> and I think she looks much better now. Happy She's more modern. Uh, so, so is Willow the character that had the uh, body image issues then? Uh, yes, saying, uh, yeah, she had yeah. body issues with Willow. She was the only one in the story with breasts. No, she's not. Oh, that's oh? true. That's true. I forgot about there's the power. There's also uh, the, oh, the general, the Admiral, what her name is, what is her name, <laughs> General... Evo Wyatt, yes. Uh, I create him, I don't remember him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Once it's published, it's dead to me. Next. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I, even the drawing part of it, I, I have to have my little comic books there, even with Dreadstar, to see what I did with the boots or something. And I never remember. Uh, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Old okay. Well, you've done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Too much in his brain. So how long have you t you guys been working together then? Since like what a year and a half? It's almost two years now. We've been working together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah started. We did a DC cover for Metal Men. At one that was the first thing that printed. Uh, yeah. And then uh, we were in the midst of a. Uh, well, I guess I did some poster stuff, but like we started out with other stuff while he was getting stuff. We were powering uh -huh. the Dreadstar stuff, and then as soon as he got those pages out to me, it was Dreadstar. Yeah, just been down cool. ever since. Yeah, and, uh, you know, COVID Excellent. hit. Uh, we had her collaborate across country on phone, and until uh, she got back or <laughs> you could get around her again, she was socially acceptable again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my friend Joel, Joel Adams would come over and he'd bring me matzo ball soup, or because I love matzo ball soup. And I had a big window in the front of my apartment in Long Beach, I was in Long Beach at the time. and. Um, He'd come and he'd drop the food, the soups or whatever, and the juices at my front door, and he'd have to go stand all the way on the street, and I'd have to look through my window and wave because, like, there was no way I was letting anybody, anybody near me or like my. I felt so like a, like an explosive bomb or something. It was just <laughs> like, oh my gosh, until I know I can be around people. Yeah. And that was a long time. So, like, I was hospitalized for a bit. Oh God, it was like wow. four. She had she had the virus twice. Yeah. I had gotten the no. Asian version first before anybody here knew we had, like it was going around. I passed yeah. out in an airport and they took me to a hospital and said I had a rare form of pneumonia. They were like, this is a really rare form of pneumonia that, you know, and then about a month and a half later, two months later, I got walloped with the European version of it. That's what I'm assuming. As soon as I heard that rare form of pneumonia, I was like, oh crap. Yeah. That's what I already had. And then I managed to get a second time. I'm pretty sure it was on a plane from a person about hacking away without a mask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> the pandemic—it's been—it's—it's it's been an absolute game changer for so many people. Um, um, over here, we've—we're uh, still—we still have some minor lockdown rules in place. Social distancing still there. Masks are still there. Um, retail's opened up, and hospitality's opened up a lot. Um, I'm lucky. I'm of an age where I've had. Um, I guess the I've had my two jabs. So, are you in England? Um, yeah, yeah, England yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is. It is. What time is it? It is 
half past six in the evening, nearly. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I'm missing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and where are you, Professor? Uh, I'm in Massachusetts. The only reason I wear my Dolphin shirt is because the professor's a, a Patriots fan. And my grandpa's a huge Dolphins fan. So. Go Fins! He likes, to, he likes to needle me. <laughs> So yeah, he comes back with yeah, we won Super Bowls. You haven't? I'm like yeah. Go Saints. <laughs> yeah, Saints. Yeah, I like Saints. Right. Well, yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Um, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Thank you so much for taking time out. Um, Dread Star Returns is due to ship, according to the Ominous Press website, around the 30th of June. Is that date sound about right to you guys? This is the first we've heard of the date. Or is it? Uh, you know more than we do. <laughs> yeah, I, we know that it has arrived at the store at the at the company. We've gotten copies. Uh, the rest of it uh, is has been kind of nebulous. Uh, so you may be getting information. We'd probably be getting later on in the afternoon. <laughs> cool. So check for people who are interested. Check out the Ominous Press website. That's ominouspress.com. There, um, I know you can get the book directly, uh, but um, uh, I don't think there. we got it in stores just yet. So I think, yeah, you'd have to go direct to that website. Okay. Jim, you are an absolute legend. Thank you so much, sir, for taking the time out. I really, really, really appreciate it. Jamie, it's lovely to speak to you. You too. Um, yeah, I look forward to seeing more Dread Star and more of your works. So, you know, keep the. Uh, Keep the drawing, the writing, and the inking hands free. Absolutely. Please. That would be great. <laughs> um, I guess all the stuff for me to say is don't forget to check out the UCPN for all your favorite shows, including Professor? Uh, the No Prize Podcast, which is all about Marvel Comics. Okay. And, of course, we've talked about it once. It's the old-timers comic book show, the best show to get your old-time comic book reviews looked at. Remember, it's the show where the hosts aren't old, but the comics most certainly are. Uh, Jim, Jamie, Professor, pleasure as always. Thank you. I'm joining the Machine Hughes. Adios. Bye-bye. <laughs> Visit UndercoverCapes.com for the latest and greatest podcasts via the Undercover Capes Podcast Network. Also visit our parent company website, ComicCrusaders.com, all about comic pop culture. <laughs>